gets it to first. The Browns are world champions. The Rams were built to win the Super Bowl, and they have sealed the deal. The Golden State Warriors return to a familiar place. They're on top of the NBA world. They reach the summit of the Avalanche for 2022 Stanley Cup champions. Ho, 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 everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. It's the Thanksgiving weekend up in Canada where the turkeys are ice cold. Rashad, have you started thawing your turkey? Because I know you're a big turkey guy. Yeah, we haven't bought our turkey yet. We're we're you behind the eight ball. We're screwed. Bought or shot? What, what did you say? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, there's probably turkeys right outside your door. There probably right? are. You send Bruno out there. You guys are having porcupine for dinner. <laughs> have you had porcupine? I have not. Tastes like turkey. <laughs> well, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> it's the other other white meat. You should have it this weekend. And if we if you're not on the show next week, then we know what happened and how good it is. Yeah, porcupine spread salmonella. Who knew? Episode 155. Let us be the first to say happy Thanksgiving to our Canadian listeners. This is the first of two episodes yes. this week. So we are going to fill you up with podcasts while you fill your ugly faces with Thanksgiving food. Are you, now, do you guys do a one Thanksgiving or do you guys end up in the multiple Thanksgiving situations? Yeah, we end up in the multiple because Jill and I usually do a turkey ourselves because Jill experimented with one the first year we were together and she rocked it. It was the best turkey I've ever had. So now she has to do one every year because I make her. And then we also get invited to her family's Thanksgiving as well. So we usually do at least two, (laughs) (laughs) which I'm okay with. That's fine. Manny, are you touring all over Ontario for, for turkey? Not this weekend, boys. Uh, actually, I'm hosting the extended Pave family wow. in Windsor this okay. weekend for ah. Thanksgiving. Yeah. Do the Portuguese eat turkey? Yes, we do. We eat turkey, ham, as well as uh, a uh-huh. little Portuguese dish as well. Porcupine? It's not porcupine. <laughs> Although, I guess it could be if you spice it up really good, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. <laughs> you never know. Uh, what about you, Matt? <laughs> I, I don't know that I have a Thanksgiving dinner coming up. My my parents what? my parents what? kind of bailed on the whole thing a good while ago. We've never really done Thanksgiving too much. Uh, I don't know. Uh, uh, they just thought we have nothing to be thankful for and they were done. Yeah, it, it ends up being like Festivus. <laughs> Where my dad just goes around the table and tells us all how we've disappointed him over the past year. So we we started uh, dropping out on the uh, Thanksgiving attendance a a few years ago. Is there a poll? There's there's a feat of strength, I can tell you that. (laughs) Amazing. So I don't know. I don't think that, I don't know if there is one in my future, but I'm, I'm okay with that. Let's see if we can change that. We've got another episode this week. Let's see if we, by that episode, let's see if we can change sure. that. So this is kind of like a, uh, yeah, like a GoFundMe Thanksgiving event or something like that for me. It's, <laughs> would you spare turkey for a guy like me? Let's get her done. Yeah. For future considerations at gmail.com. I'll I'll bring something. I'll bring something. As long as it's uh, something in a box and it takes me less than 15 minutes to cook, I'll bring it. Or wine. <laughs> but I'm not sharing that. So. There you go. Or a box of wine. Yeah, a box <laughs> of wine. As Manny said, two episodes this week. This is our debate episode. The second episode of the week is Overtime, which will feature a special guest joining us. And if you missed our last guest, go have a listen to Anthony Cristoforo of the Windsor Spitfires. That was a great conversation. Yeah, it really was. A rookie defenseman. Very good speaker. Had some pretty good stories to share. Uh, So go back and have a listen to episode 154. And let us know what you think of the other episodes, too. Go go digging through the archives back when uh, we were broadcasting in black and white 
and see if you can pull out one of your favorite old episodes of For Future Considerations. Let us know which one it is. Join the debate, too. Uh, we want to hear your hot takes. Manny's are shit, so you might as well share some of your own. Podcast <laughs> FFC on Twitter and Instagram. For Future Considerations on Facebook. Again, for future considerations at gmail.com. You can DM us on social media. Most of the people in the Gray Bruce area have John's cell phone already. You can call him and let him know. Uh, just had to make sure one person in particular had his number and we're all set. So there's plenty of ways to get in touch with us. Uh, share, give, give thanks to your, your fellows here. And now let's get to the debate. The pitch from Acevedo. the teams have been decided for the Major League Baseball playoffs, the Phillies being the last team joining the party on Monday night. The matchups still have to be decided, but what we know now today um, so far, which teams do you guys like entering the baseball playoffs? So uh, you know me, I'm not going to take anybody that's listed at the top. I'm not going to touch Houston. I'm not going to touch the Dodgers. Uh, I'll uh, uh, Outside of that, in, in the American League, Guys, I don't have a problem at this point saying I don't want to play Toronto. Uh, I think their pitching staff is good enough to get through that first round. I don't think it's good enough when you end up playing Houston or however this ends up shaking down over the next couple of days. But I I would not want to play the Blue Jays right now. I, I think they've got enough going. You're going to play indoors in that stadium with that offense, that they're going to be okay uh, in in that series, whichever team they end up playing or uh, however the, the playoffs set. So in, in the American League, I'm not picking them to win the, the World Series or even get to the American League Championship Series. But in the first round, the team that I would not want to face of, Cleveland, Toronto, Seattle, and Tampa Bay, is absolutely the Toronto Blue Jays. And in the National League, for me, it's, it's kind of the, the same kind of thing. Look, I think we've all known long enough that you can't mess with the St. Louis Cardinals when they're either in the hunt or when they make the playoffs. Philadelphia just got in. They've been struggling at best in the last little bit here. San Diego has always been up and down. The Mets are very good, and they're going to be able to throw out some outstanding arms uh, from that series. And then it's just going to depend what that looks like in the next round if they end up getting the Dodgers or, or however that shakes down in the National League. But, you know, if, if at the time that we're recording this is St. Louis playing Philadelphia uh, for that spot, even if San Diego were to drop down into that spot, I, I like the Cardinals coming out of that. For me, um, I feel like the Jays are peaking at the right time. I was betting against them all year long, thinking that, they were going to uh, disappoint me again, and so I've been wrong about them. But the one team that I'm worried about after the next round is the Yankees. I think the Yankees, they scare me. I've been watching some of the games, waiting for the uh, record-setting home run, and they look really good right now, and I think they're going to they're gonna be tough for anybody who gets to them in the American League. And uh, Yeah, I, I hate the Yankees, but I wouldn't bet against them. Do you have a National League team? Uh, the Dodgers, but that's been my team from day one. Not much in the way of news there. So uh, I like what you, all of you guys are saying. I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to buy what you guys are saying. Uh, except I'm going to throw in another team in there. In the American League, I, I do agree. The Jays seven and three in their last ten games. Same with the Yankees. They're getting hot at the right time, and I do think the Jays getting home field advantage in the first round series is a big factor. Um, I just don't know about the matchup against Seattle. Um, If Seattle's fully healthy, I think that's a really good series. Um, The Astros seem to have been dogging it over the last couple of weeks, playing 500 ball, but I still think their pitching rotation is the best around led by Justin Verlander. So, um, I like the Astros and I like the Jays um, to really challenge in the national or in the American League. In the National League, 
Only seven teams ever have won 110 baseball games in a season. The Dodgers have done that. So that's pretty impressive. And the other thing is they're getting healthy. Like Tony Gonsolin just got back off the injury list. He's a pretty good arm. Um, So they are a force to be reckoned with. Um, The Mets just got waxed again by my team that I'm going to pick. And that's the Atlanta Braves. They are, too, playing tremendous baseball, just like they did when they won the World Series last year. They, too, are 7-3 and three in their last 10 games. Uh, watch out for the Atlanta Braves. More so in the National League, guys, than the American League. I think the matchups will be key on who will play who. In the, in the Braves own the Mets. So I don't think the Braves are too concerned about that. Uh, That Mets-Padres matchup, very tasty for Thanksgiving. That's like must-see TV to watch these first-round baseball playoffs. Yeah, the National League playoff series look great. The American League is probably any broadcast network's worst nightmare, but uh, they'll just be touting the Yankees are are waiting for somebody the, the whole time. Yeah, you guys were talking about uh, San Diego quite a while ago. And, uh, yeah, I think that's going to come to fruition. They're going to be quite a team to watch. Um, The end of the regular season also marks the time to debate the postseason awards. We have a few questions from Sam and Eddie and Sean. Thanks for sending in your questions, by the way. Who are your MVPs and your Cy Young winners in the American National League? I'll let you guys go because um, I probably haven't seen enough of the other teams to really make an educated guess. So I will defer to your expertise on these ones. (laughs) 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 Wow. Way to pump our tires. All right. Look at, look at us. Um, All right. I'll go easiest to, uh, to hardest in, in order for me uh, combining those, uh, those awards. I think the easiest award out of those four goes to Paul Goldschmidt as the MVP of the National League. I think he's been up there from start to finish this year, uh, coming in 35 home runs, 115 RBIs. He's hitting 318, which right now in Major League Baseball may as well be 400. Um, He's been this way the entire season, and one of the big reasons that St. Louis came to life in the second half, as they always do. That's the easiest one for me of the four. Second easiest is going to be Justin Verlander winning the American League Cy Young Award, uh, 184 ERA, I believe it was, uh, the, or one around 180. He's coming back from Tommy John surgery or whatever he had. He won 17 games. For the number one team in the league, I think that's uh, about as easy as it gets for for the pitching staff uh, as far as American League Cy Young Award. National League, I'd like to see Sandy Alcantara uh, Alcantara win from Miami. Uh, 228 ERA, 14-9 for a bad Marlins team. And he was good all year long, too. He was a guy who, and I remember sitting in Manny's backyard when we were looking at, at future bets, I was looking at the second or third guy that was going to be available in that list, waiting for him to just drop off. But it it never happened, and the team never got very good. He was just excellent. I mean, 228 uh, innings pitched, 207 strikeouts for him, uh, leading the National League. Uh, I think that was that was outstanding. Uh, and so he's my pick for the National League Cy Young Award. And in the American League, guys, I'm going to do it. 34 home runs, 95 RBIs, hit 275, went 15 and 8 on the mound with a 235 ERA. Shohei Otani is not only one of, if not the best offensive player in baseball, he's also one of, if not the best pitching players in the game of baseball, and he continues to do this every single year. We're all enamored by Aaron Judge, and that's all well and good, and he has had a monstrous season. But I think you really, really have to consider the fact that what Aaron Judge is doing is on one side of the field where Shohei Otani is dominant on both sides. Yeah, I have no argument there. That's a a once-in-a-lifetime thing that we're seeing with him. Matt, I can follow you on most of your picks. Paul Goldschmidt, love the pick. Can't believe we agree this much, actually. Uh, his OPS 
is outstanding. His offensive war is outstanding. In addition to all the stats that you said about Goldschmidt, uh, I think it's a little bit closer with Manny Machado as the runner-up in the National League MVP category, but I still think it's Goldschmidt. Justin Verlander, totally agree. American League Cy Young Award winner, 15 wins, 12 strikeouts per nine innings. When when the Detroit Tigers traded him and thought his season was, his career was on the decline, like, come on. What a fantastic performance he is putting he is putting in with the Houston Astros and why I think they're one of the favorites in the baseball playoffs. I like Sandy Alcantara. I think that's a great pick. He's not only is he doing what you shared with his stats, he's pitched 29 and a third more innings than anyone else in the league. It's crazy. Right? Like he's pitched four more games basically than anyone else. Yep. And has still put up tremendous numbers. I just don't know how you can't pick Aaron Judge as the American League MVP. I understand what you're saying about Shohei Otani, and you're right. We've never seen anyone pitch well and bat well. He's in the top 10 in the pitching stats in Major League Baseball, he's in the top 10 in hitting stats in Major League Baseball. But you can't ignore what Aaron Judge is doing. Not only is he the best hitter in baseball, he's obliterating the competition. 23 more home runs than anyone else. He leads the American League by 30 runs scored, by 81 total bases. He has more RBIs. He has more walks, 25 more walks than anyone else in the American League. And, of course, he's got the American League home run record. So, and he's doing it, chasing the Triple Crown, and he's doing it when Major League Baseball admitted that they changed the baseballs and made them harder to hit out of the park. Yet he's hit 23 more home runs than anyone else in the American League. For that, I think Aaron Judge wins the... MVP award. And we also got this question from Bobby in Royal Oak, Michigan, who asked, which teams are the biggest disappointments this season? Um, I don't know if anyone in the National League's really surprised me. The Brewers didn't make the playoffs um, after they made the playoffs last year. A slight surprise. But I look at the division that we follow closely in Windsor, the American League Central. The Tigers, a disappointing 66 wins. Uh, Minnesota, everybody thought they were going to challenge for the division lead, 77 wins. My biggest disappointment is the White Sox. Here's a team that at the beginning of the year, I'm not afraid to say it, I had them challenging to be uh, making the playoffs and challenging to be one of the World Series favorites. They finished with 80 wins. Tony LaRussa hasn't managed the team for the last five weeks, and he's officially done now because of health concerns. He actually should have never come back. And for that reason, I think the White Sox are the biggest disappointment. And then for me, I follow the American League East, so obviously for me it's going to be the Red Sox. Three players in that Mookie Betts trade haven't amounted to anything, and they're going to finish last place in the division. So I think they have to be the biggest disappointment for me this season. I'm not going to argue with the White Sox being the the most disappointing team in in baseball, and I think in in recent memory, I I can't imagine being a White Sox fan with the team that they have and going out and hiring a 73 year old manager who. The day he started, you knew that he was uncomfortable, that the players were not responding. He's apparently gone senile with some of the decisions that he made, uh, makes in the games, intentionally walking guys on one-two pitches and, and just lunacy. Never seemed to be any sort of camaraderie on that team whatsoever. And this is their window. Like, Dylan Cease ain't hanging around 
because of, you know, maybe whoever the next uh, manager ends up being, things get a little bit better. But, I mean, it's uh, it's a massive disappointment of what the White Sox have been under over the last couple of years. I mean, even last year, I could get it. Okay, you can make an argument. Maybe it's a little bit of a challenge and, you know, a new environment, all that stuff for sure. This year, they're even worse. And And for me in the National League, it's going to be pretty hard to say that a team in the playoffs is disappointing, but I really expected more from the San Diego Padres. I think they were a team that we were all watching as maybe they'll be able to unseed the Dodgers. We're looking forward to those exciting rivalry games that they play against the Dodgers. Manny was looking forward to another five-and-a-half-hour, nine-inning game that he could watch in the middle of May. Like, there, there was a big buildup to them. They lose Tatis. They then really lose Tatis. They never seem to really take off. They make the deal uh, at the trade deadline. It's not even really worked out that great for them. And and ultimately, yes, I mean, the, the, the what the Dodgers are doing is, is unheard of. But the Padres end up 22 games out of first place. That division was never really a contest. And I think that was one of the divisions we were looking forward to. So if I'm a Padres fan and I'm going into the playoffs right now, uh, sitting way out where I stand, with this team and you're going in and now you're going to play the New York Mets who are a 99 win team, maybe a hundred win team, depending on what they do over the next couple days in the first round of the playoffs. And you're facing DeGrom and Scherzer in a best of three series. This is a massively disappointing season. Don't you think Fernando Tatis's injury has something to do with that? He does. And the reason it does is because, number one, he did whatever he did in the offseason, which was stupid, and, and how he got <laughs> injured. And I think the buildup for, for A.J. Preller, the general manager, and, and for the Padres, and we talked about this at the trade deadline, that we liked the Padres because Tatis was coming back. They didn't have to make a deal at the deadline because they were getting a superstar back in their lineup basically for free. And then he gets busted for, for PEDs. So I think the team around him has done a pretty good job of, of whatever they can do. They go and get Juan Soto, who's been garbage since he arrived there. Awesome. And, and, I mean, you know, you're looking at this team all of a sudden. You're the Padres, and, and you've got visions of Machado and and Jake Cronenworth, one of the best players in baseball. And, and then you got uh, – you just trade for Juan Soto – and Tatis is coming back, and this is unbelievable, and then you just never really take off, and now you're in a really tough spot. So they very well could go out. They've got a decent staff. They very well could go out the best of three series and and win that series, but you're going into Shea Stadium and facing those two guys. The Mets haven't been to the playoffs since episode 63 of this podcast. So, I mean, they're going to be rocking and rolling. It's a, that's not that's not a good look for for the Padres at this point. I'd rather, as a as a fan of a team, be disappointed by the way the Tigers played this year than the expectations that you have as a Padre fan to inevitably, from what I would predict, fall short. And now to the question that everyone is asking after what happened on Tuesday night when Aaron Judge hit his uh, record-setting home run. And uh, should he be acknowledged as the standalone record holder of all time in Major League Baseball? Well, right now, Barry Bonds is acknowledged as the record holder, right? So basically, the debate comes down to Barry Bonds holds the record with 73 home runs in a season, clouded by performance-enhancing drug use, which he has never admitted to, right? 
I know I've been watching a lot of the Yankees broadcasts. They're pretending that never happened. They're pretending it's Roger Maris and Aaron Judge, and there's no mention of Barry Bonds anywhere whatsoever in the discussion. Shocking. Yeah. That Blown away by that, uh, by that take. Bit. Blown away by that take in the New York media. It doesn't surprise me one bit. I'm surprised they're not just calling him Larry Bonds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, just ignore him completely, right? <laughs> don't, don't get his name wrong. What, what, what do you think? What do you think? Should just we call him Larry completely. or should we just not mention him at all? <laughs> as much as I hate the fact that Barry Bonds has the home run record, I still think he's the leader. I still think you have to acknowledge him with 73 home runs because it's not his fault that he hit 73 home runs with performance-enhancing drugs. It's baseball's fault that they didn't have a rule in place to stop these players from taking performance-enhancing drugs. Uh, you're, you're, I think I think you're going to go along with a, a friend of mine that was the only one that blamed Elon Nordegren for everything that happened to Tiger Woods. Well, it was, <laughs> Who wasn't Tiger Woods? It wasn't Tiger, Woods. It wasn't Tiger Woods' fault. <laughs> I'm not on that bandwagon. <laughs> not on that bandwagon. One thing we also have to consider, and and one thing that I think of the baseball chases. Uh, in the home run race that gets ignored. And I'm going to acknowledge it right now. Sammy Sosa hit 66, 64, and 63 in his career. So we're all jumping on on Barry Bonds, and he did it three times. McGuire did it twice, getting to 70 and 65. And when you go back into the list there, Barry Bonds – is is a lot further down there for his second year. He had a big year at 73. Until you can tell me how performance-enhancing drugs changed the home runs that he was hitting or how many home runs performance-enhancing drugs are responsible for, Barry Bonds is the home run champion. It's 73 home runs. Aaron Judge his, is at 62. That's 11 more. I don't like it. Nobody should like it. They haven't taken the Houston Astros World Series away. You still have to acknowledge that. They're a World Series champion. I don't like that they won. I don't like how they won. But they're also still the World Series champion. Aaron Judge is the, is, is the American League home run champion at 62. But he is not the single-season home run king unless in the last couple games here he hits 12 home runs. And we know that's not going to happen. But we're saying the exact same thing. Rashad, where's your vote? Uh, I disagree. I think if you're on performance-enhancing drugs, even though there wasn't specifically a rule, I mean, he wouldn't have done it without taking what he was taking, right? And Matt, you saying... How do you know that? Because he didn't do it before or after, like Matt said. He didn't have that track record of consistency. But then if Sammy Sosa did, and he hit 66, 64, and 63, and if Mark McGuire did, and Mark McGuire hit 70 and 65, then the record's 70. And Aaron Judge has to hit nine home runs in the next uh, (laughs) next couple of games. Uh, yeah, it's messy. I don't think there's ever going to be a definitive answer for this. You're right. It's messy and it stinks that people use performance enhancing drugs, but there was no rule, not a decent rule to stop these guys from using it. That's my point. It's baseball's baseball has fumbled this worse than Trevor Lawrence did against the Eagles on Sunday. (laughs) It all comes back to the Eagles. (laughs) Of course it does. Hey, uh, and Aaron Judge did say that Barry Bonds is the home run record keeper. Even the guy who's hit 62 has said. He's got to say that. Of course he does, because he's from California, too. He's got to say that. He probably grew up watching Barry Bonds. Look. He did it. Do you want to go over the the full, uh, and this is impossible to do, and and you'll never do this uh, or be able to, to acknowledge this, but... 
I would be much more inclined to call Albert Pujols the all-time home run champion over Barry Bonds than a single season one because Pujols got hurt a ton and he lost however many games from COVID. Now, can can you tell me that he was going to hit enough home runs to break the record in that time? No, but I mean he's he's shown all along. So I'm okay if you want to make the argument with Albert Pujols as being the greatest home run hitter of all time. But single season, I'm I'm nowhere close to giving it to Aaron Judge. So only Rashad disagrees. But then Matt look, blew up my argument, so I don't know what to say because I don't think it should you, be so so either. Look, if you look at Aaron Judge. That person is not normal. Like that's that guy is is a horse of a man that stands on two legs. I don't question for a second that he's clean. So it's great that he's doing this and, and it's fun to watch. The the thing that's missing for me and why I'm not so enthralled by the race or was enthralled by the race because it's essentially over now is it was just him. Like Manny said when we were talking about the MVPs, there was nobody else around him. It's not like he was getting pushed by anybody and there was some back and forth or anything like that. He's in New York. I don't care about the Yankees. That stadium, I've seen bigger stadiums in Forest Glade uh, than I have <laughs> in Yankee Stadium. <laughs> but, I mean, it's, he's the all-time American League champion for sure, but he's not the single-season king. One of the things that I love about all of this, going back to those home run races and when the guys got caught, I loved how Sammy Sosa, when he had to testify, all of a sudden didn't know how to speak English. And then I also loved how Mark McGuire refused to meet the guy who caught his home run ball. <laughs> those are my two yep. favorite things from that old. <laughs> it was beautiful. Uh, even the, you know, even the trial, the the Rafael Palmero is the one that that always stands out to me when he's pointing at the panel. Period. Well, um, you you want to you want to re- refresh or re- rehearse your statement? <laughs> that was such a bizarre time in baseball. Can you believe what we just saw? This is incredible. You know, guys, I got to be honest. I have goosebumps. Unbelievable! Oh my God! And now it's time for our play of the week, and the winner is Mahomes Magic. That's the two, Mahomes escaping on the move. Mahomes stops, spins, flips it forward for the touchdown to Edward Dillaire. Mahomes straddled the line of scrimmage, flipped it to Edward Dillaire for the score. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes of the Kansas City Chiefs avoided the rush and looked like he was going to run, but instead flipped the ball for a touchdown pass. And that is our play of the week. What a great play. I was watching that game live and I leapt out of my seat <laughs> when he did that. I went, What did I just see? When I watched crazy. That, when I watched that the second time, I thought to myself, if I were in that position. How many times will I would I have just dropped the ball and ran away, shit myself, <laughs> or just balled myself up to a in a in a you know ball or rolled into a ball and started crying? And it was about fourteen times. <laughs> he ran towards the end zone. There are three of these mfers running at him, <laughs> and he's just oh, I'm not going to get in there. Toss right to the guy. Oh, Matt would have been running out of bounds so he wouldn't get hit. He'd still be running. He'd be running out of the stadium. (laughs) Like everybody makes fun of Dan Orlovsky for stepping out of bounds and and causing a safety on his own. I'd have just turned around and ran 95 yards by myself out the other entrance (laughs) thinking that's where I parked my car. Do you want to – if you were mic'd up, have you ever heard a live broadcast of a mic'd up NFL player retiring on the spot? (laughs) That's <laughs> that's mid play. Mid play, he gets a touchdown out of it. That's that's normal. That's a great play. The other plays were pretty good too. I like the one handed football catch, the yeah, bicycle kick, even that quarterback too. That quarterback on on the run, he that looked like that throw was like sixty yards the first time I saw it. <laughs> that was a heck of a play too. The hockey goal was pretty good too. The hockey goal was great. Oh, well, there were great. three great goals this week. There were three great ones. 
That was pretty good. Our play of the week, as always. Brought to you by London Awnings, quality that shows. And remember to vote on next week's poll. We are going to post the options on Monday. You'll be able to get all the details at Podcast FFC on Twitter, and we will reveal the winner of the play of the week on the Wednesday. If you can also broadcast or tape yourself reenacting one of the plays of the week, (laughs) we will make that officially the play of the week, no matter what the vote results. So send those in as well. For Future Considerations is not responsible for any injuries incurred by replaying the highlights of the play of the week. (laughs) But I was doing it for the podcast, honey. (laughs) (laughs) And now to the big news in the NFL. You knew we were going to talk about this. It's the fallout from the head and neck injuries suffered by two of the Miami Dolphins. Everyone has likely seen the video by now. The independent doctor who initially diagnosed him with a back injury in the game against the Buffalo Bills has been fired. The league and the NFLPA are now drafting new concussion protocols. We received a lot of questions about this from Joanne and Mike and our good friend Dave Carr, who also shared some comments from his drum corps friends. Who is to blame for this situation? Everyone's to blame for this situation. The NFL for not protecting its players. The NFLPA for not protecting its members. After all, they are part of the process to hire these independent doctors, these doctors who are not supposed to be swayed by anything when making these decisions within the game. Um, And the NFL, because its concussion protocol or rules as defined for these independent doctors to make these decisions, obviously had some holes worse than Swiss cheese as anyone with an eye, even two eyes, two good working eyes, if you had a pair of bifocals, glasses, you could see that the initial injury against the Bills was not a back injury. He almost fell over. Had to be held up by his teammate. And then four days later, four days later, you let him play in another game when he gets whipped around. It's unbelievable to me. Everyone is to blame for this situation. The NFL, the NFLPA can't blame the shield on this one. They have some responsibility as well. Listen, they need somebody on the sideline to tell this player who is a competitor, who wants to play. Other players have said they have hit concussions so they can play in a game. It's the reason why they have these independent doctors on the sidelines to protect these players against themselves. Everyone is to blame. I've even heard reports of players that have to do those concussion tests at the beginning of the year that do a question and answer, whatever it is, will purposely get the answers wrong so that when they are asked the questions, when they're in concussion protocol, It doesn't really matter because they got the question wrong in the first place. I I think this is Tua's fault. Because if you you had just turned around and ran out of the end zone and got in your car and realized you're a good-looking young man with a lot of promise, a smart guy, you got your degree, get get out of football. What are you doing playing football right now, man? This is about as bad a look as as any sports league could possibly have. I mean, in in the social media era, I found out instantly from any numerous doctors that had blue check marks next to their name, so it had to be real, that he was dealing with like very traumatic brain injuries the second time around. So you can be the head coach who's a rookie who's trying to, to place himself in the league and get emotional saying that you would have never put him out there if you hadn't gotten uh, any suspicion or any concern from the doctors. Yeah, but you're also a human being. Like, whether the doctor comes back and says, no, no, he's perfectly fine, you've probably watched the tape of that game a few times, and you've probably seen what happened to him. And you also know, by being an adult, that when you play on Sunday and then you play on Thursday, that's only four days. 
I, I don't see how it gets past so many different people that it's okay that he's in this game. I think the I think the head coach, I think the general manager, I think the owner, I think all of them should pay the price for this. This isn't, you know, you had, a, a, again, who knows what the story is, but this isn't a, you had an affair with a, a worker within your organization and you get fired or suspended for the year like the Boston Celtics head coach. This is like, this guy was lights out four days ago and you're putting him back in there again only because you've been told by doctors, oh, he's fine. He passed everything. You've got to have some sense, man. There's too much money and there's too much involved in these people as people to worry about week five or week four, whatever we're in, in the NFL season and laying that poor kid out for who knows how long. Are you ready? And now it's time for Rapid Fire, and we have this question from Chris in Guelph about Mandy's undefeated Philadelphia Eagles. Chris wants to know which team will beat the Eagles. I know Mandy's going to say nobody. <laughs> <laughs> no. What's that bad boy commercial? Nobody. Nobody. <laughs> Actually, I wouldn't be surprised if they lose this weekend. I know Chris, and thanks for the email, Chris. Um, I think he's a big Eagles fan, too, if it's the Chris and Guelph that I'm thinking of. But the one thing that bothers me uh, about last weekend in the NFL, when the Eagles came back being down 14-0, they had some serious injuries in that game. They lost two offensive linemen. They already were without Avante Maddox. Darius Slay got hurt. He only played three snaps in that game. Uh, a couple of other linebackers got hurt in that game. The only thing that will derail the Eagles from their perfect record, in addition to the opponent, are these injuries. When you don't have strong depth at multiple positions, we're not talking about one position. We're talking about multiple positions. It can be an issue. And the Arizona Cardinals are a desperate football team. That's who they play on Sunday. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if the run ends this weekend between the Eagles and the Cardinals. You know Manny, always being down on his team, always thinking the worst <laughs> thing is going to happen. You know what? I'm looking at the schedule right now. They're in Arizona when home to the Cowboys – Win week seven by home to Pittsburgh. Win in Houston. Win home to Washington. Win in Indianapolis. Win home to Green Bay. Uh, I love that one for you guys. Home to Tennessee. Win in New York against the Giants. Win in Chicago. Win at Dallas. Win home to New Orleans. Win. Week 18, home to the Giants. Win. They're going 17 and 0. Let's go fly. Eagles fly on the road to victory. E A G L E S. Eagles. That's fantastic that he's hung out with me this long that he knows the fight song. Wow. I thought only your daughter knew the fight song. It's your friggin' doorbell. I might as well (laughs) memorize the thing. I blare it every Sunday morning. You, you, walk around, you walk around Manny's house, it's the doorbell. It's the sound the fridge makes when it's been open or it's still open a, a little too long. <laughs> you press one of the handrails on the stairs as you go downstairs. Manny plops on his side of the bed. The pillow makes that sound. It also <laughs> makes that sound after things happen in the bed. And you hear it all the time. <laughs> it's the best song going. <laughs> I love how you're more optimistic about the Eagles than I. <laughs> Come on. What are you, a Canucks fan? Let's go. 17 and 0. And uh, we have a question from Jonathan in Scarborough about the NBA looking into lowering the draft eligible age from 19 to 18 years old. Jonathan wants to know what we think of that rule. It's crazy. 18 years old? 
the, the kids, like, he can't even grow a beard. Most of these kids at 18, like, you're putting these guys against 35-year-olds who have been in the league longer than these kids have been alive. I, I, I don't I don't get it. Look, and I don't really understand the appeal for any of these kids anymore. If they're getting paid in college and they're getting all these sponsorship deals, if, if why not stay in college? Why not Van Wilder it for a little bit? You don't need to get to the NBA at, at 18 instead of 19. What what rookie, you know, other than the sensational of the sensational do we see that have come out of the NBA draft? at 19 years old and take over the league. Get Take the other year. Take your time. Develop. I mean, all these kids are so hurried to get out of college and, and university because they got to get paid and they got to get into the NBA roster and they don't want to get hurt and screw up their year. I think the NBA is lowering this now or considering lowering this because they're concerned that more kids are going to stay at college and university. So I, I think this is a, a reaction by the NBA because they don't like the idea of the kids getting paid in college. And if I'm a kid in college and I'm getting paid because my face is on a video game and I get to walk around campus and you get to see me and I my face is on a video game, I'm not going to the NBA. I'm not going to play for the Pelicans. Get lost. I'm staying at Duke and I'm, <laughs> I'm going to have myself a good time. 17 and 0. <laughs> so this is uh I think it's actually because the NBA G League where some players are not even going to college, they're going to this G League to play to make some more money. Sure. Now, they're going to Europe. You're going to see this in in a lot of in a lot of sports. So the difference, though, because in hockey, the draft eligibility is 18. We just don't see many 18-year-olds make the jump in hockey. In basketball, you get drafted, and you're expected to make the team and play regularly. I'm with you, Matt. I'd rather these kids stay in school, maybe learn how to spend this money before making the money and blowing it all within the first two years of your league in the NBA before you even turn 21, before you can even have a sip of alcohol in the United States. You're going to be making millions of dollars in playing in the NBA. Something's just not right there. And for a lot of these kids, they sign their entry-level deal. Like you said, Manny, what's the average NBA career lifespan? Three and a half years? These kids can't even go out and celebrate their retirement and have a beer for some cases if they're, they're going to be this young. They might only play, you know, you, you end up getting picked in the second round in the NBA and there's only 14 guys on the roster and you got to play. And if you can't play because you're 18 and the team that you're going up against is full of 30-year-olds, I don't blame you for not being able to play. And I also think it's, it's a no-win situation for anybody other than the great players of all time. That's a good point. I had to look up what the average NBA career is. Four and a half years. Yeah, like you're telling me that like these kids could be in and out before their even their time at university is done. Like that's crazy. Maybe done before the age of twenty five. Yeah. So and then at twenty five, what are you gonna do? Should go back to school. You were just at school. And we have a question from Jackson in London who wants to know what we think of. See, this is an issue on the American sports channels are calling him buoy. And on the Canadian channels, I've heard them call him boy, the new mascot for the Seattle Kraken. What do you guys think? It's buoy. Yeah, it's got it? buoy. It's buoy because. But we say boy in Canada, don't we? The thing that floats out in the water at a... I've always known it to be buoy. No, yeah. see, in Western Canada, it was boy. Well, yeah. All right. well Western anyway. Canada is just north of Seattle. Yeah, <laughs> it would be the one to know. You guys would know, Rashad. <laughs> yeah, we always called him a boy out there. But anyway, what do we think of the mascot? He's hideous, isn't he? Is this the new thing for mascots? Mm-hmm. Like gritty with the flyers? Mm-hmm. 
Right? Like, he looks dangerous. And now you've got this other scary-looking mascot. Like, if my kid is three years old, they're going to be super, super scared and be like Matt in his quarterback days and run the other way a hundred yards. <laughs> I have a five-year-old, and I can tell you he hates mascots. He hates them. Now, the only thing that I will say is that I do like the history that they've implied with the mascot and somehow inf- infused that. The troll under the bridge in Seattle is very cool. I've seen it. Um, what the one time that I've been to Seattle and it's a neat thing that they spun that off. And I think that's a great pull by the marketing or department or whatever to, to make that connection. I'll give them that. I like, I know I'm old now and I know that this mascot is not directed at me, but this thing's dumb. Like what, what's it going to do? It's going to run around the stadium haunting people. Like it's from Hocus Pocus 2? <laughs> or it's going to start clapping and all of a sudden I'm going to feel inspired to start clapping at the game as well? Like I, I, you got to go back to the old school, like that, uh, that one, uh, the tiger mascot in, in the uh, college football. What, what school is he at that he's jumping tables and stuff and, and going up one table at another. Is it BYU or somebody's got one of these wild uh, mascots? Like at some point, the mascot's got to entertain and not just walk around with cloggy feet in a big suit and waving at, at people and looking uglier and uglier. Like, why can't we do something like the Vegas Golden Knights? They actually physically have a knight. Yeah. Like get an get a weird ass like octopus thing or something like that that's real that's in a tank somewhere. <laughs> Build the tank into the boards. They're now they're doing these crazy yeah they're they're doing these crazy boards things now that they're changing and stuff on the broadcast and everything like that. We'll take one of the board sections out and put in an aquarium with the with the with the octopus in there. That's what I want to see. That'll get me fired up. <laughs> Connor McDavid along the boards, and he's disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Woo! <laughs> <Rockin> got him. <laughs> look, look <laughs> you either have to make mascots basically Peppa Pig or one of the dogs from Paw Patrol, or they have to end up being Kate Upton. Like, you, you can't do these ugly <laughs> things. <laughs> and expect people to really care. <laughs> Every father in the whole arena wants to hug Kate Upton. We can't figure out why. <laughs> you you want to hey, uh, clear up the, the concession line and the line to the bathroom. I got an idea for a mascot. <laughs> <laughs> He's never wanted season tickets before, and I'm not allowed to go to any of the games. I don't know why. <laughs> He only bought one. He didn't buy a pair. He only bought one. (laughs) So the the season ticket package is $450. But my husband bought the one for $25,000 because the only benefit was he gets to meet the mascot? Hey, that's an upsell. That's That's one way to get an upsell. That's great. What's this uh, spend the night with destiny uh, (laughs) invitation we got? Oh, don't worry, honey. That's from the Tigers season tickets. (laughs) Who's going to be the first team to do it, boys? It might be the Leamington Flyers. (laughs) Don't you know, pump it up. You've got to pump it up. And now it's time for Pump It or Dump It. And this submission is a tribute from Chad in St. Thomas after the passing of Coolio last week. The rapper died at the age of 59. Chad asks what Coolio's best song is, and he suggested this undercover good. Put your hands up if you're down with the sleep. Double O L I O with the flow. I'm looking for the body, so better know. One, two, three, it's like A, B, C. If hip hop didn't pay, I'd rap for free. Slide, slide, but that's the path. I got something brand new. Get down, gonna get up and get 
So we all know Gangsta's Paradise, but this is one, two, three, four, something new by Coolio. So fellas, two questions. Are you pumping this song? And what is your favorite Coolio song? I like this song a lot. I'd be pumping this song. This is a good song. I'll be honest. I know one Coolio song and it's called Gangsta's Paradise. And I didn't know there was anything else. So (laughs) this this one's fine. I'm not going to leave the pool. But uh, <laughs> Julio's good with just having one hit across the board. What about uh, Fantastic Voyage? That's What's my that favorite. That's my favorite Julio song. Is that your favorite, Rashad? Yeah, I like that song. <laughs> Matt, go listen to it. As, as you're, as you're uh, putting in your 100 yards running across, put in the earbuds and listen to some Julio. And fantastic voyage. I will. And that's because that'll be the song that Kate Upton will come out to when she's introduced <laughs> as the next mascot for the Leamington Flyers. And that's the end of another debate. <laughs> can, can you twerk to that song? <laughs> I'm sure you can do anything you want to that song. <laughs> Oh, man. Stay tuned. We are not going anywhere. We have another episode dropping on Friday in time for Thanksgiving and the NHL season. Yeah, on the OT coming up on Friday, we're going to hear from Scott Wheeler, the NHL prospect writer from The Athletic, who's outstanding and just released a new book about the Toronto Maple Leafs and the history of their draft, which I have a copy of. And I've just broken into it. Uh, I'm on page six. And it's very good so far. So I would highly recommend that. But Scott Wheeler is going to join us on Friday. Six pages in and it's got you. It's a page page turner. It's got you hooked. (laughs) And just in time for hockey season, we're hosting a fantasy hockey league. So stay tuned to our social media feeds for more information for how you can join that league. Yeah, if you're not following us on social media, what are you waiting for? podcast ffc on twitter and instagram for future considerations on facebook and if you have any questions for an upcoming debate like some of the questions we answered in this show send us an email for future considerations at gmail.com if you're not following us on social media it's time to log out of myspace and lift the <laughs> rock up and step outside and take in some uh, some vitamin d from the sun is it vitamin d <laughs> that you get from the sun yeah. Anyways, we want to thank our sponsors, London Awnings, quality that shows that it's keeping that vitamin D away in the places that you don't want the vitamin D. You can stay outside and not have to worry about the vitamin D all the time. London Awnings is going to take care of that for you. And Shane Dubolovic of Next Level Athletics in Windsor, specializing in sport training and nutrition. I talk about how I'd be running the other way in the NFL field and Shane will tell you that he'd run towards all three of those guys and punch them all in the face, but I feel like he would just be a little bit further ahead than me because he's in better shape. (laughs) Did you guys have a MySpace account? I know Shane did, so. I never had a MySpace account. No, me neither. I missed that one. I was was all, uh, I was pro ICQ and MSN and, and all of that stuff, but I never got into the MySpace. I always thought it was for bands. I always thought it was like a music thing. AOL Messenger, were you into that? Never had AOL. I, like, I had ICQ. Nobody ever messaged me, but I had ICQ. I, I remember just sitting there for days waiting for the red flower to turn green, to shoot my <laughs> shot, and then it would turn white, and uh, so I'd just sit there. I've never had any of those. Really? I've never had any of those. <laughs> yeah, and I, we don't need to be on them anyway. <laughs> I thought for you, Rashad, you would be definitely having a MySpace account. I didn't, but I did have ICQ. I was all about ICQ. And you guys didn't mention message each other? I don't think I knew you back then. It wasn't our time yet. No. Oh. It wasn't our time. We hadn't found each other. No. We found love in a hopeless place. <laughs> you guys didn't get to Gangster's Paradise yet. <laughs> hey, thank, thanks for listening, everyone. Stay tuned. We'll talk to you on the OT on the next edition of Four Future Considerations. 17 and 0. That was a disgraceful performance, in my opinion. In my opinion, that sucked.
Their mentality's awful. Their attitude's awful. It's been their M.O. for the last three years. Tonight I saw and heard one of the most disgusting, rudest, sick demonstrations in my entire career. Probably the worst. It's garbage. And the editor that let it come out is garbage. You're still here? It's over. Go home.